everyone. Welcome to Writing Easy, the podcast that takes the act of writing, which can sometimes be not easy, and tries to make it less not easy. I am one of your hosts, Mary Mascari. And I'm your other host, Melissa Long. So today we are going to talk about something that I think we've discussed at least once before in passing, but I don't think we've dedicated an episode to it. Um, and it's called Enneagrams. Yeah. Uh, Enneagrams, it's a, I don't know where it came from. Like, someone invented them. I don't know. I don't know I, where it came from. I don't, <laughs> I don't really care either. Um, it's it's a, one of those many different personality test things. You know, there's you've got your Myers-Briggs, you've got you know, all these different things that you can find out. Here's what your personality type is, um, which is nice for you as a person, whatever. Uh, but it's also really, really helpful as a writer to come up with characters. And the reason I like the Enneagrams are because there aren't too many of them. The MBTI, there's too many yeah. for me to even process. Um, these are nine kind of archetypes. And uh, the nice thing about the Enneagram is they give you kind of uh, all these different qualities. You can, they have these different things that, that describe them. So you really have kind of a, of a, of a framework for a character right there. And since every person theoretically fits into one of these nine categories, you really can pull from here for everything. Yeah. Now, just for, you know, um, posterity, I believe I am a four with a, either a, I'm a four, definitely. Yeah, I'm a, I am a three. I'm <laughs> very much okay. a three with a four wing. I'm, I definitely lean towards the four. Um, and that's what mm -hmm. the, like, essentially, if you Google this, look on Pinterest, like there's a billion things now. It became very yeah. popular in the last sort of four or five years. Um but you can find, if you just type it in, you can find a ton yeah. of different resources and graphics and quizzes to take to learn your own uh, type as well as understand like all the different breakdowns. But it's it's basically like a circle. And so the idea is that you can be one true type, but most people sort of like also have some of the characteristics of the type near them. And they call that sort of like mm -hmm. the wing. So it does right. expand out and you can get really into... Um, all of those different things with like the cross types and the, I don't, I don't know. Oh remember. yeah. <laughs> you can get really crazy. And honestly, crazy. once you start doing that, you've probably lost the thread of what you need it to do. Right. Cause at that, at that point you're, you're getting, you're delving too deep, but I think this is really helpful for me personally. When I talk about characterization, I, I, the main thing I'm looking for is just kind of a main thrust for the character rather than, especially when I'm starting out, when I'm trying to figure things out, I don't want to try to have this fully formed creation and then try to push it into a story. At least for me, it it's it makes it kind of tricky. Everyone's a little different. But for me, if I can get a nice little, like a thrust, something quickly, I can wrap my mind around that I can go from, I can start working from that. And that helps me make decisions. It just, it just narrows things down a little bit. So I don't have such decision fatigue. You know, when the, when it's wide open, that's too much. Yeah. Now, see, for me, what I like about it is that um, it's not, to me, it's a framework, but it's not as rigid. And the core mm -hmm. of the Enneagram is less about how, like, like specific likes or specific actions that a person mm -hmm. might do. And it's more about the drive behind that. Like, what's motivating them? How do they define their own 
self-worth. And so I think sometimes you can be led astray if you're just looking at like the Instagram accounts that are talking about like, oh, social media, this is what a type nine looks like. And you always Mm -hmm. love this or you're a perfectionist or whatever. Like those are just a little too basic um, because usually like with a three, what's behind the three is a three is like an overachiever. Often that's what people will say. They're very overachiever. They're very driven Mm -hmm. by external um, validation, which I think is all true. But when you dig into it, like the reason behind that is actually because the way in which they define their worth and their value is based mm-hmm. on how others perceive their contributions, right? And it's an it's a core thing. It's not something that necessarily, I don't know, it reminds me of attachment theory, like in terms of like the way you're raised and the way that you start to see like how you fit into the world, mm-hmm. like that is shaped by your type. And so your actions can be, are rooted in that, but they can manifest in very different ways depending on, again, like how you were raised and what other Mm -hmm. situations or contexts you're put in. And I think when you start to use that as a framework and say, well, this person's going to be afraid of X, Y, and Z, or like the the worst thing that you can do to this person Mm -hmm. is betray them or lie because they have these kinds of paranoias, these kinds of phobias, or they, they define their whole identity based off of this key mm-hmm. concept of serving others. And so like, then you can get really deep motivations and obstacles and challenges to throw at your characters if you know that one core thing, right? And you know how they're going to react in certain situations. Yeah, yeah everyone has a, a particular fear, right? Because yeah. I, personally, I think fear is probably the strongest motivator for like people mm-hmm. like i think that's a lot of why we do stuff is is to avoid fear is fear motivates people a lot um and it's a really good tool to use and so like you said because this thing will tell you here is exactly here exactly are the weak points on this person here's what they're afraid of here's what they they don't want to happen this is the worst thing they could be like well and i'm gonna put them in exactly that situation yeah and that just kind of helps come up with ideas um, and they also can give you hints about how they will react to that, you know, because if you have someone who is their biggest fear is uh, being deprived of of something, you know, uh, they they want things, you know, want pleasure, they want sensations, they want experiences, and to deprive them of that, um, then you're like, oh, okay, well, this is going to really really push them. This is really gonna going to deal with that and you can work backwards and say well why do they feel that way great that'll give me some background and you can work forwards by saying okay how are they going to react um and they kind of the enneagram kind of can give you some suggestions on that and nothing specific but just you know concepts ideas and enough to kind of help you sketch out where you're starting from mm-hmm. yeah it just makes the decisions a little easier and it makes the gives you some hints things to try you, know, you don't have to stick with them. There's nothing wrong with having a character that doesn't fit their enneagram. That's totally allowed. But I always like to have some, just something to kind of go from. Just a little, a bit of a template, which I would then throw away, but it helps to start. Yeah, I think it's also helpful for character growth, right? Because the way the enneagram yes. is set up is like, it's it's a, what, a continuum or a spectrum of like, you could be a three like me. I'll keep using me so I don't offend mm-hmm. anybody else. But like for my personal experience, <laughs> uh, but you you can use a three. But then like you could be sort of a low functioning three, which kind of means that your tendencies or 
proclivities or whatever are running amok, right? Like they, maybe you're not mm-hmm. aware of them. And so you could be creating toxic patterns or behaviors or, or you know, really become consumed with chasing after the wrong things because you think it's going to bring mm-hmm. you joy and, and that's what's driving you. Or you could be more aware, more self-aware and be more high functioning three, which means like you've kind of learned from those things and you've had some therapy mm-hmm. and you understand, <laughs> you can recognize the triggers and you build up systems in place to help you manage your control so that you're using and channeling those same drivers mm-hmm. in a more positive way. And so as a character, you can think, okay, well, at the beginning, they're going to be here. They're, they're going to be unaware. Maybe they're never going to be fully mm-hmm. functioning by the end, but there's going to be some growth along that progression of like them realizing yeah. what their Achilles heel is or what their, their flaw is and trying to reframe that in some way. Yeah, you can really, uh, it just gives you some directions to go by to say, okay, now I know what this, what's wrong with this person. And I can fill in from the background. And yeah, now I know what they have to accomplish, you know, mm-hmm. they have to, what fear it is they have to face. And when they face that fear, what sort of things might happen to them as a difference? Right. Like, you know, yeah. obviously you're going to start low functioning. They don't have to be a complete wreck, but you know, and that you just kind of gives you a, an outline. Or middle, fun, right? Because yeah, they could start at a baseline. You could tear yeah. everything down <laughs> so that they're at oh, their yeah. low point, right? So that they get to that, what, dark night of the soul moment and then... Build them back yeah, up. you can actually, yeah, and you can start them up and bring them back down and, and yeah, all, all these things. It's just kind of a little map. So the nine, I just thought we'd, we should probably should mention what the nine archetypes are. Um, and different systems will have slightly different names for these. But the ones that I have on my list are perfectionist, giver, performer, idealist, observer, loyalist, epicure, boss and mediator and each of those has two wings so you can if you want to have uh 27 you can go crazy but you know that's i keep it simple and honestly like i just if you need something to start with you know just have an exercise is i have a a 10-sided die i roll it i mean if i get a a 10 i re-roll it i I roll it and then okay well that's what one of my characters is going to be they're going to be a a a loyalist all right well let's write a story about a loyalist you know and and it's kind of a nice place to get started and really great for character work or if you've written something and you feel like your character isn't really working you can either try to, to to see what enneagram you may have already written in or um, and this is something I've just recently kind of learned, just impose one on them, you know, to say like, this character's weak, it doesn't have anything, we'll, we'll pick one and kind of impose it on them, put that framework there, inject it in, and see if that gives you a little more to work with, just a little more more meat, put a little uh, um, cornstarch in that gravy. <laughs> it's right after Thanksgiving. It's right after Thanksgiving. I'm going to, I'm going to make, get it. allowed to make it. gravy yeah. metaphors. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, I think it's um, one of the things that I I like about this is that there really aren't, and I guess this is true to other personality assessments, but there really aren't like negative types, right? There's not, Mm -hmm. it's not like, it may sound like it from some of the names, but it's not, it truly isn't. It's really just a reflection again of like what's driving you, what you're passionate about, where you feel like you're what your viewpoint is on the world, on yourself Mm -hmm. and on others around you. 
and um you know everybody sort of has a home base in terms of yeah what's really at the center of driving them and so i i like this i don't use it for supporting i don't use it for all of my characters um yeah and sometimes because i i like the enneagram for myself so often Mm -hmm. i will do it sort of instinctively i'll be like oh yeah they're probably like a seven (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I will like already know like, okay, that means they're going to kind of react this way as opposed to like having to have a cheat sheet and go through and be like, I'm going to pick this yeah. one. But that comes with experience and just knowing more about the system. But I think you can use yeah. it however you want, as long as you're not obsessing over it and creating like 8 billion yeah. profiles and then like afraid to make a decision in your writing because you're like, well, is that what this person would do? <laughs> Yeah, see, that's what that was my problem. That's why I wasn't using these for a long time because I kept like feeling like I had to to pick the right one. Like, oh no, this one doesn't fit. Oh no, this doesn't fit. The thing is, it doesn't matter. There's no wrong answer. Yeah. Just pick one and go. Um, and you can, it's so like you could change it if you want. Like, but it, it, it's certainly helpful to get you started. It's a really good framework. Yeah, especially so. For I like have it all written down. Protagonist, antagonist. Maybe a love interest, like those are. Yeah, I think it's helpful for those. And they have they have also places where you can say, well, this these two tend to con- conflict a little bit more, or they might not. These these two types don't really get each other completely. So maybe those are the two types you're going to put together. So if you're like, oh, I really want to have a a seven here, I'm going to make sure that the other character that they're working with is whatever the one that doesn't like seven, which I don't have handy right now. So, you know, so that can just, again, give you some ideas, give you some place to go. I, like I said, I have a, I have a cheat sheet. I look it up. Um, I also found a book where they had these great illustrations for each uh, type. I actually have a a page in my OneNote notebook for each type. So I can look at it and just kind of help me internalize it. You know, help me really kind of get an idea, help me visualize without visualizing because I'm the kind of person who I'll just kind of forget what they are until I really until they really grow you know it takes a little while for them to kind of find their own way yeah and so this helps me get something in place you know it's it's the wireframe that you sculpt on how about that you know it, it it's that's what I use that for yep I use uh let's see I have two books that are kind of my go-to the one is the honest enneagram which mm-hmm. is by Sarah Jane Case. And she used to, she well, she still runs an account on Instagram. It used to be called Enneagram and Coffee. I think now yeah. she's renamed it to like her name or something like that for probably branding okay. reasons. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it still exists. Uh, that's a really great book and resource. And uh, it kind of recaps a lot of what was on her account for the last few years. And then the other one that I like a lot is actually called The Art of Typing. And this is like, it's not a professional textbook, but the idea is like, how do you find your type? And it's designed for people who want to help identify the types of others. So it goes a little bit more into the questions and the differentiation between types, which I found really helpful because, again, I think it goes past that surface level like this is mm-hmm. exactly what a three is to like, what's the difference between a three and a five? And why might somebody think they're a five when they're actually a three? <laughs> and mm-hmm. that was, uh, the, I don't know. I really like that kind of dynamic. And it also talks about like pairings and relationships and working together yeah. and all of those different things. 
And again, you want to you want to pick the ones that aren't good, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's that's going to help you, right? So you you're going to want to, you know, all these self help books, um, are going to are there to reduce drama in your life. Uh, so if you follow the advice of a self help book, if you have a character follow advice of a self help book, uh, it's not going to be interesting. Um, maybe at the end they might, uh, but at first you want them to go against the advice on the self help book so that they mess up and and that's therefore drama because obviously uh, a book where two characters are effectively communicating their feelings and acting in a uh, a mature way um, you know with just just talking things out and not really conflicting I mean I guess you have an external conflict you just don't have any internal conflict but uh, yeah I mean you need some drama here people this has got to be that's what we're doing <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> but I think that it doesn't have to be high-functioning with every character in every relationship, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, you don't need to You don't need to take everybody. I mean, you, you, yeah, you don't have to go from the bottom, you know, lowest functioning to high-functioning in your story. Every character does not need to do that. It, they don't have to do that at all. They can go up a step, or they could not go up a step. But what I use this for is to uh, come up with ideas of things to throw at them. Right. You know, it's always to put them up a tree and then throw rocks at them and then help get them down. But I'm like, well, what rocks? Like what? I don't know. Rocks? What rocks? And if I have this, I say, oh, you know, this person is terrified of feeling insignificant. Like, well, then I am going to make them feel insignificant. <laughs> you know, like that, I'm going to do everything I can to make them feel insignificant and then have them work that out so that I got something to work with. Yeah. Yeah, this is not information for your characters. This is information you, playing God, <laughs> that yes. you need to know to torture yes, your that's characters. <laughs> and the other thing to watch out for is do not procrastinate by doing your own stuff too much. Because that was also how I always start with these. I always do myself and I just sit and work on myself. And I'm like, wait a minute. Fascinated as I am with my own psychology. That's not what I'm here to do. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've talked about Enneagrams before, um, but I, I I really do recommend that they're a really helpful tool. A nice, um, like a nice template, nice uh, uh, reduces the choices and can really help you, uh, you know, get unstuck if you're stuck. Yep, it's got my seal of approval. <laughs> that's all that matters, really. Right <laughs> from a three. For me. That's all that matters. <laughs> that's all that matters. Excellent. Well, cool. Um, I think we'll wrap up for there. Just remind you guys to, um, if you can, if you like the podcast, tell someone else either directly or through social media or through um, uh, recommend you know, the, the reviews, rating reviews sort of stuff, because um, that really will help other people find the podcast. Yep, and we are on we are on YouTube. We're on all the podcast channels, right? We're on we're. Twitter. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, we're so not. Good. I'm trying so hard with Twitter. I'm so bad at it. I just like, oh, God, yes, Mary, gotta get in there. I'm like, I don't want to go to Twitter. So I apologize that they were not tweeting that much, but um, it's a scary place to be. So, but what isn't scary is uh, this podcast. I hope you liked it. And remember that writing is hard. So take it easy. I'm Mary. And I'm Melissa. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.